Thanks very much, everyone. So um, the terms requited and unrequited uh, are old-fashioned. They're not really used in any other context except unrequited love, and it means unreciprocated love. Uh, you love someone, but they don't love you back. They don't return your feelings. Um, so there's no easy way of breaking this news. I think my suspicion is that in unrequited love, not only are you not loved back, not only are you not getting love from them back to you, you're not managing to love them. So it's a kind of failure. Um, I should say, I'm not entirely convinced that what I'm saying is true, but this is nonetheless the hill on which I will die tonight. <laughs> I think there's something to it. I, I'm just not sure I've kind of arrange the material so that they're maximally compelling. Um, but why would, I, why would I even suspect that there's no such thing as unrequited love? Why would I be a skeptic about unrequited love? There are lots of reasons for thinking that even though unrequited love might be sad, um, that it's unsuccessful, it still counts as a form or a species of love. Why would I deny that? Uh, after all, the feelings are there. Surely we all know what feelings we have. We, we feel the feelings we have for someone else. We know what they are. We have some authority over what those feelings are. Um, so there's that. There's the, the matter of, you know, unrequited love can seem as intense as reciprocated love. It can have the same aboutness. It can be directed at another person. It can reflect your admiration of someone's qualities. It can be as attentive as reciprocated love. So it seems to tick that box. Here's another kind of more subtle reason. We might think that the loving relation is a matter of two-way traffic. So, you know, Romeo loves Juliet. Juliet loves Romeo. But one-way traffic is half of the deal, right? You've got 50% of what you need. Um, if you've got 50% of what you need, if Romeo loves Juliet or Juliet loves Romeo, then what each person is, well, what, what the person who loves is looking for is for the traffic to flow in the other direction as well. But if I'm suggesting that unrequited love doesn't count as a form of love, then it looks as though the completed relation where Romeo loves Juliet and Juliet loves Romeo, can't ever get off the ground. If, if, it's, if it's bad from one direction to the other, then how could there be reciprocal love? And the third thing is that, and it's been complimented by some people in the literature by Sarah Pratazzi, unrequited love might seem not just a form of love, but a pretty pure form of love, um, because it's uniquely unselfish. Um, after all, you're not getting anything back. So if you love someone, perhaps hopelessly, um, you can't say that you're just in it for the, you know, uh, what, what follows when love is reciprocated. Okay, so I've got a lot going against me <coughs> um, <coughs> from the very off. So why do I think that, uh, why am I skeptic about unrequited love? Well, I think there are two models um, we can think about love. One is, 
what I'm going to call the admiration model, and the other is what I'm going to call the planning model. <clears throat> so the admiration model is when it, it, it understands love in terms of basically a model of admiration. So I, Romeo admires Juliet, or Juliet admires Romeo, and then when the loving relationship is in place, then there's kind of two-way admiration. That's the admiration model. The planning model is different. The planning model sees love as something we do together. So if I arrange to meet you for a drink um, and you don't turn up, I won't say afterwards, well, the drink was 50% successful. I was there. It's just that you weren't there. What we're going to say is that <laughs> it was a failed drink. We didn't meet. So I was there, but that wasn't enough to get me 50% of the way. It was just a failed plan. The plan didn't work. Or if we agree, say, to I don't know, perform a musical piece together, and I turn up ready to play the piano, but you don't turn up in your violin so that we can play the spring violin sonata together. We don't say, well, the performance was semi-successful. I, I was playing the piano, but there's no violin to accompany me. We're just going to say it was just a, a failed event. We had a plan, but the plan was a failure. And it was a failure because both of us didn't turn up. Both of us needed to turn up in order for the thing to happen, for the event to happen. I think we should see love more in terms of the planning model than the admiration model. So love is something, when it happens, that we do together. And if one of us isn't prepared to do that, then we have a kind of failed event, like the failed drink. We don't have 50% success just because I'm willing, or 50% success because you're willing. We both need to be there in order for it to be successful, and anything less than that is just a failure. Well, what I want to commend is a planning model rather than the admiration model, but why do I think um, we should reject the admiration model? Well, I think it's because of one thing. So, what I have in mind is the idea that we can admire other people and we can admire them as much as the people who love them admire them. But we want something else when we love someone. We want, we want them to love us back. We want to be with them. And if we have the admiration model but not the planning model, what we risk, I think, is not making sense of the connection between the feelings of admiration and the desire for those feelings to be reciprocated. I could admire someone as much as anyone else, but I needn't have a desire to be with them. I needn't have a desire that they admire me in the same kind of way. But we do have that in love. So we've got two things. We do have a kind of admiration of the other. But we also have the desire that they reciprocate that admiration, that they want to be with us. And that's what I think the admiration model falls short. It doesn't quite make sense of why those two things should go together.
Um, whereas the planning model does. But it has a result that if I take myself to love someone else, no one's denying that I have those feelings. I do have those feelings, and the feelings have the intensity they do, and I know what feelings they are. I can feel them. But what does follow, I think, is that they don't, uh, they aspire to be attitudes that convey love, but they don't succeed in doing that. They only succeed in doing that if the other person has the same attitudes to me. I did mention this subtle problem earlier, the composition argument. So we don't want to say that the loving relationship can't, can't get off the ground if one part of that mechanism can't get off the ground. And if, my, if Romeo loving Juliet doesn't count for love and Juliet loving Romeo doesn't get off the ground, then them loving each other can't get off the ground. Well, that, that is a problem. But, but what I think is that we can have proto-loving attitudes in place. We can have feelings between two people. But for those feelings to qualify as an expression of love, there needs to be reciprocity. Romeo needs to love Juliet, and Juliet needs to love Romeo. And if we don't have that, then we don't have what we require to have in order for there to be attitudes that express love. That's it. Thank you very much.